Today, me and Kelsey are here together in the podcast studio, <laughs> aka studio. our office. <laughs> and uh, today we're talking about expectations. Yeah, expectations. They're everywhere. I feel like more people have more expectations than they, one, would admit or two, even realize. <laughs> that kind of made me think of Bilbo's speech. I don't know half of you half as well as I should like. And I like. <laughs> like less than half of you half as well as you deserve. Dude, I could not do that. that I don't know really if that good. was correct. That I was hope correct. So. Okay, I'm pretty okay, sure. It was. Yeah. It felt good. Expectations are everywhere. Yeah. I remember whenever we first got married in our premarital counseling, uh, like our premarital counselor said, you know, it'd be really a good idea for y'all to have as little expectations going into marriage as possible. And both of us thinking like, yeah, yeah, what, yeah, for sure. What could there be? We're game for that, you know, just like <laughs> yeah, totally clean, open slate. We have nothing to compare to because we hadn't been married before. So yeah, no expectations. And then we get married and we're like, whoa, we have all of these oh, underlying expectations. Is, yeah, this is what they were talking about. And I, I mean, expectations can be super lighthearted too. Like when I go to Hobby Lobby, I expect that there will be at least one Christmas aisle, no matter the time of year that I can go look at whenever I want. I expect that. When you go to the drive-thru at McDonald's, you expect the shake machine to not be working. So you don't go there and instead you go to Chick-fil-A where you expect the shake machine to always be working. Yes? That's good. I expect Raising Cane's chicken to always be hot fresh. Like it's it's never not hot. It's always burning. But yeah, every time you bite it, you're like, ah, it's hot. Every time. <laughs> Been eating it for like almost two decades. <laughs> Also, I like how everything you mentioned was food and kind of chicken related. <laughs> okay. Another one I'm passionate about. My expectation is that drivers should oh, use their blinkers. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm here if for, you just I'm here turn your blinker on, then I'll know that you're going to turn right. And so I don't have to slam on my brakes. But if they just hit their brakes at the last second, like someone could get hurt. Just put your blinker on, man. That's very good. Okay. I will say as experience with you on the road goes. Oh, yeah. You, you have a, a number of expectations of other drivers. What are some of my other ones? <laughs> we don't have to talk about it. Okay. It's probably for the best. <laughs> oh, man. Ah, I got, well, it's about Christmas again. <laughs> Tis the season. The two things we have a lot of expectations about are chicken and Christmas. <laughs> I expect snow on Christmas. Which is funny, considering you've lived in Texas your entire life. And the life. majority of years of Christmases, is there snow? No. But do I expect a white... Maybe maybe that's not an expectation. Maybe, maybe that's just a hope. A, hope. a, strong like a very hope. strong... I can hope with the best of them. That's a good example of processing expectations, though. Because okay, sometimes you think it's an expectation, and it's not. And then it doesn't end up being one. Or sometimes you think or it's not an expectation, yeah. but a... Ooh. And there has been so many things like that in our dating relationship, of course, in our marriage. But I remember whenever we were dating, one of the first times we crossed an expectation. <laughs> Do you remember uh -oh. this? It was... Is it Valentine's Day? No. Okay, I'll show that one in a second. <laughs> okay. What I'm talking about is... I was a part of a singing group in college and we had these worship nights where we would sing at different churches and you came to one of them. It was great. I loved it. Felt so supported. We were pretty new to dating. I don't know. A couple, a couple months, months in. in. Yeah. And then we had another one also local. And so I was texting you about like the it. the next week or. And yeah. Uh, and I don't remember exactly what, how it came up. If I was asking you like, hey, see you there or. You inferred in some way presuming that I would be there. Yeah. And. 
it's because of how I grew up. I grew up in a family that was so supportive, like overwhelmingly supportive in the best way. I remember being in junior high, having to beg my parents not to come to cross country meets that I was running in because I didn't have a love for cross country. I was involved and played other sports. And so small school, that was kind of part of it. But my parents were like, no, we want to show up. We want to support you. And I was like, please don't. I don't want you. (laughs) And I was also like, you drive that whole way. You barely see me, you know, all the things. But that to say, I grew up in a very supportive family, a very supportive home environment where we show up for each other. I didn't realize it until it came up, but that was the expectation I had uh, for our dating relationship was, hey, I'm doing this thing. Show up for me. (laughs) And my expectation was, oh, I already saw you. I already heard all the songs you and your group sang. So like I, I punched the ticket, right? That's like a supportive boyfriend move. So I don't have to go to this one. My expectations was I've already been there, done that. Yeah. I, what's cool about the whole exchange is that I remember us not arguing about it. I feel like we navigated it pretty well and we were both very gentle hearted about it and realized that it's not a bad expectation for me to have, hey, if if you're my significant other, I want you to show up for me. That's mm. that's important to me. It makes me feel loved. You know, that that's important. And I didn't feel like you felt like it was this heavy burden, you know? I do remember feeling a sense of... Uh like I want to be a good boyfriend. I want to be a good friend. I want to be a good supporter. And I didn't like the feeling that I had showed you that I didn't want to support Mm, you and like mm -hmm. that feeling of lack. And I think it was a good sign of our relationship early on because a lot of problems in relationships, whether it's dating, engaged, friends, coworkers, marriage, a lot of the problems come down to a lack of communication about a need not being met, an expectation that the other person didn't know that was there. And, and like you just said, we handled it pretty well. Yeah. And you were able to tell me, hey, this is this is kind of what I'm looking for. And this is kind of what I'm hoping for. This is the way I, I was raised. And this is kind of what I was expecting. And I realize now that this is the beginning of a relationship and I can't expect that of you. But no, this is where I come from. And this mm-hmm. is like, this is my feelings. And and so then I kind of knew like, okay, this is, this is where we're at at and it wasn't what you didn't tell me that or that's that's too harsh of you to expect yeah, that of me we didn't or, argue it didn't get nasty you didn't get bitter or passive or there was no ultimatum yeah i didn't feel controlled or manipulated i was just like oh she she wants me to support her from now on I'll, I'll try to do that better yeah it was very gentle it was something that i hope a lot of people can be encouraged by to know that like not all expectations are bad like I guess we kind of already acknowledge that sometimes we have expectations without realizing it because that's what this was but even in figuring out that this was an expectation it wasn't necessarily unhealthy I think that there are ways that it could have gotten unhealthy but that's just that's not how it played out for us and so I think it was cool we were able to navigate that together in a healthy way to be like oh this is one of those expectation things and and go on from there Mm. one of my expectations from when we first started dating was uh, we started dating in October, November of the fall of 2012. And so Valentine's Day came around Uh in obviously February of 2013. (laughs) And that was the first Valentine's Day. And I wanted to be a good boyfriend. And I wanted you to know that I loved you and that I appreciated you. I knew you were a gifts person. I knew that I wasn't a gifts person. And so um, I went all out. um, (laughs) And as a very poor college student, just like movies, candy, gift cards, the whole nine yards. And I I gave you a nice pretty box and like you, you felt showered. And what I didn't realize was I was setting 
a bar for myself and kind of I was setting an expectations of this is what we do um, on on Valentine's days on birthdays on Christmases like is this, is this what we do from now on and so we kind of had to have a similar conversation of this is you, you I remember you saying this is so sweet but you did not have to do all this. <laughs> like you can save some dough for next month. That's so funny. And also I remember one of the things you put in that was you wrote me a note. Yes. And that was one of my favorite parts of that whole gift. Which was and free. It, <laughs> not to say you would like take it back and do it different or whatever, because there is something so special about that. But I do remember you had this expectation that I didn't put on you. Mm. I do think that was really cool that it happened so early in our relationship because ever since then, we've always talked about, okay, what's our budget going to be for getting each other Christmas presents? Mm -hmm. Even whenever we were engaged, whenever we were early married, what are we going to do Easter presents? Because uh, you know, yeah. we don't want any of those unwritten rules that we don't know are rules, but there are expectations in there to go un unresolved. To surprise us or cause some kind of unnecessary hurt that we can avoid if we just communicate and and not just communicate i could take it a step further and say agree like communicate something and come to some sort of agreement because it can't just be oh we're going to talk about this but we also have to decide you know we have to yes. agree and i think that's the thing with with expectations is you got to regulate them you got to you got to figure out what the agreement is within all the different expectations that come up and i think that it's okay for us to make space and say expectations aren't necessarily a bad thing to have they're they're a normal, realistic thing. Everyone has expectations, <laughs> but we need to filter healthy expectations, unhealthy, unfair, unrealistic, fair, healthy, realistic. You know, there's, there's a difference between all of them. Because because of my experiences and what I've walked through, I may think a certain expectation is perfectly reasonable, but mm -hmm. it's actually not because I'm one-sided or it may be unreasonable because of what you have walked through in your experiences. Tell me more about that. Yes, I may have an expectation based on what I have walked through that could be a trigger to trauma you have walked through. I think with everything, we have to undownload some of our expectations. And again, that we may know that are there and we mm -hmm. may not know that they're there until we communicate about them. But there's some humility involved. If I have an expectation of what re our relationship is going to be like, and then after six months of dating, two years of marriage, 20 years of marriage, we may have to go, you know what? That was unfair of me to expect mm. of you. Yeah. Or whenever you're growing as a couple, you go through things that you haven't gone through before. And so you go through something new as a couple, say, I mean, we haven't experienced this, but say it's a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. And now because of that, there's kind of different expectations that come up in our relationship. And because I walked through the miscarriage one way and you walked through it one way, then we've got to navigate those new expectations gently because I may have an expectation that you receive totally differently because of your experience in the circumstance. Mm -hmm. I mean, a big one for most Christian men is they're taught growing up that the sexual expectation for them is sex is um, out of bounds if you're not married. And it's great. It's green light if you are married. And so the expectation for a lot of men is when we get married, it's just going to be wild and crazy. And you have no idea what kind of sexual trauma or purity culture trauma that that girl has walked through. Mm -hmm. And so then when to you, it's green light, but to her, it may not be. And there may need to be some therapy to walk through. There may just yeah. be some really 
intimate and holy conversations about what is our sexual relationship going to look like based on where you've been. And the same is true for men because there's a lot of men who've been affected by purity culture or sexual trauma or whatever. And it puts a whole other, they have this whole other internal struggle of I'm supposed to be feeling this way, Mm -hmm. but I don't feel that way. What's wrong with me? And then there's, what do you do with all those expectations? It's just a mess. You got to watch out for the supposed to, and I should be, and all those expectations. Basically be gentle with each other. Be gentle. I think a lot of people have expectations like these. Oftentimes, they don't know they have expectations until they come up. Mm -hmm. Like, how many high school relationships have we, one, been in, or two, seen doing youth ministry and ministry now where high school students or college students just have this firm expectation that they are going to marry the person they're dating Mm -hmm. as a 14, 15, 18, 19 year old. And then they break up and the world freezes over because this expectation that they didn't realize was there has just gone up in flames. Yeah. The amount of times that someone thinks, Oh, I'm going to marry my high school sweetheart or I'm going to marry the the first person I start dating in college. That's the person I'm going to marry. And then they break up. What then? They may not even consciously realize this was an expectation I have, but regardless of whether they acknowledge that expectation or not, it's still something they have to wrestle with. Mm. And I think it's healthy to step back. Not always easy to do because like we said, expectations are not easily defined. Sometimes we don't know they're there, but I think it's wise to step back and realistically look at what our expectations are to see whether or not they're realistic. So like, for instance, there isn't a whole lot of research on the rate of which people actually marry their high school sweethearts. But one research source we found recently was that 2% of high school sweethearts get married. And so like, so strange expectation to have, yeah. considering the statistics. I'm, I'm for sure going to marry my 16-year-old girlfriend, and then we don't get married because only 2% of high school sweethearts get married, and now I'm, I've lost my marbles. Like, well, l- let's look at the realistic side of that, which is probably weren't going to get married from the beginning. Well, it's also interesting to think about how that's a statistic for today, whereas 50 years ago, a lot of people did marry high school sweethearts, and there are still several towns that are are known for people tend to kind of marry their high school sweethearts, but it is interesting how many people get into relationships and they're already thinking about marriage, and it does make me wonder how much about dating ought to be more through the lens of marriage, Mm. and if dating, not that dating in junior high or high school is wrong or bad, but... How, but is easy, it beneficial? how easily it can become foolish yeah. because of the expectations we end up putting in those relationships where maybe that's something that's a little bit better for college age or older or once you're independent. Yeah. I mean, the average age for getting married is 27 years old these days. And likely that's a little bit lower in religious cultures or maybe in the South, but still bring that down to 24, 25 And if that's the average age of getting married, and if the only reason I'm going to date someone is to see whether or not I want to marry them, then is dating someone as a 15-year-old really that beneficial? That's a good time to take it back to the realistic side of things and go, Mm. I I don't know. And I think that's also an expectation we could cover is people have an expectation that I'm going to date someone in high school. I'm going to have a high school boyfriend. I'm going to date someone in college. And I think that's really interesting because that's not something God promises us. No, He never tells us you're going to have this person to date. You're going to be married by the time you graduate college. You're going to have the ideal job you want to have. You're going to have kids. You're going to like, he doesn't have those kinds of promises. And it says something about what 
where we put expectations mm-hmm. when that's not something God has said. Mm-hmm. That shines a lot of light and truth on the expectations that everyone else puts on young people, that they should get mm-hmm. married, that they should have children, that you should find love. And you got to be easy about when people tell you you should or should not do something. Because yeah. like you said, Jesus does not say that. He does not say, this is how you bring honor and glory to the kingdom. Get married, make babies. <laughs> no, that's my big fat Greek wedding, okay? <laughs> We do tend to get caught up in what culture teaches us or what our growing up environment taught us or just what we think, what we desire or what we think we deserve or, Mm -hmm. you know, the blessings we think we should get because we've done a good job or whatever. It makes me think of the people who are listening to Jesus as he gave the Sermon of the Mount and he directly spoke into their expectations He continued to say, you've heard it said this, but I tell you this. Come on. You've heard it said this, but I tell you this. Dude, that is not to quote all the podcasters today, but that is actually so good. (laughs) My goodness. I mean, Matthew 5, Jesus said, you've heard that it was said. So the expectation before this has been, do not murder. But I tell you, don't even be angry. Mm. Like, don't even be angry. Oof. Going off of that one, you've heard it said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth, but I tell you, turn the other cheek. Walk with them another mile. Give to the one who asks you and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. There's so much that culture would say, expect this. And maybe kind of what we're touching on is, so what happens when our expectations aren't met? And I feel like we've been taught by culture or just our own sinfulness as humans when our expectations aren't met throw a fit, get mad about it, whatever. And Jesus is like, when your expectations aren't met, what if we were gentle? What if we were kind? What if we chose not to speak or react? And no to the Bible scholars. Jesus doesn't actually say those words, be more gentle. But he says, you've heard it said, this was the old commandment, but I'm telling you, take it 15 steps forward in gentleness. And so Mm. you're paraphrasing when he says, I will show you the most excellent way. And this is a more excellent way of being gentle. Yeah, definitely not a Bible scholar here. Just someone who loves the Lord. Come on. (laughs) It had to be so groundbreaking for the people hearing him say that. Nobody, nobody ever talks like that. And we've grown up hearing these stories of Jesus saying this. And so maybe it loses its awe a little bit for us. But imagine these people hearing this. I just have to imagine they would be in complete awe. Nobody talks like this, man. Mm. So it's a lot to think about when you start thinking about expectations. This can get really deep really quickly. Yeah, we're just talking about expectations and dating, and here we go. (laughs) And now we're talking about Jesus, and that's the beautiful thing. It always ends up pointing back to Jesus. Mm. I I love that. There is something I hope people could hear this and start implementing Jesus more into their expectations in dating. That, okay, if, if I know that expectations are there, I can evaluate whether they're healthy or unhealthy by taking them to Jesus. If they're fair or unfair expectations. I can take him to Jesus. And my hope is that more people would do that for their relationships, dating Mm. relationships, friendships, marriages. I would hope that more people would take those expectations rather than just, (laughs) if you do talk about it with your significant other, wonderful. But I also hope you're talking about it with God because he's the one that can help you see the best of how to respond when expectations aren't met, how to respond when you come across an expectation you didn't realize you had. Mm -hmm. All of those things, he's the best filter. 
always. And so going to a mentor who's older, who's walked more life, that is so, so good, but infinitely more so, like you're saying. Jesus says, John 14, 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Mm, Wonderful resource that we could utilize in this realm of expectation. Mm. And so the Holy Spirit is our constant support. What came to mind for me was John 16, starting in verse 7. Jesus is talking and says, Very truly, I tell you, it's for your good that I am going away. Imagine Jesus saying that. It's good that I leave. It's good that I go. That's just so like... It doesn't, they're like, what? It, it doesn't make sense. But he says, unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world, Satan, now stands condemned. Hmm. He continues and says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So, uh, something I have heard you say for years, whenever teenagers or college students or married people or anyone is struggling with any kind of expectation or question, you will always say, talk to God about it, go talk to Jesus about it, or you'll ask, oh, what did God say about it whenever you were praying about this? (laughs) Hopefully I don't say that too sassily, though. I just want people to talk to him. I just want people to talk to him. So we got these expectations, some we're aware of, many that we're not aware of. Some are small and some are huge. And and what do we do with them? How do we know that they're there? How do we process them? How do we communicate with our significant others or our friends or our coworkers, whatever the relationship is? How do we know if they're fair or unfair, healthy or unhealthy? You talk to Jesus about it. You talk to the advocate who will help you in all things and give you truth in all ways. When, Whenever the youth minister or the parent or the teacher or the mentor, whenever they cannot go with their limited amount of wisdom, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and lead you to all places with all total truth. Mm, and a word to the mentor, the parent, the teacher, the whoever. Whenever I've had people come to me looking for guidance, looking for wisdom, internally, I'm just like, God, I don't even know what to say to this person. God, like they're literally sitting across from me, talking to me, telling me whatever is going on, looking to me for some kind of answer. And I'm partially listening, but mostly I'm just praying and saying, God, what do I say to this person? What do I do? What do I tell them? I don't know what to tell them. You're going to have to tell me what to tell them because I got nothing. And (laughs) sometimes it's frantic like that. Sometimes it's this breath in of peace, like, Lord, give me these words. And help me to remember this is you, not me. And sometimes I am fully confident in what I'm saying because I know the Spirit of God is in this room. I know the Spirit of God is about to speak through me, and I cannot wait to see what he says. And so just a word to people, if you're that type of person that people go to for advice, it's also a great resource. To the person who wants to have the right answers to give to the people with their questions, I have been that person at times in my life thinking I've, I've got to I've got to find the right answers to give to be that person and usually when that person tries to give the right answer it's not the right answer mm-hmm. and as someone who knows how wise you are 
and how many people you have helped, like how many students are like, I've got to go talk to Kelsey over the past 10 years. I can't tell you how many they just, they flock to you because you were wise and you're a good listener. And what's really cool about your good listening is that you said you are listening to them, but more importantly, you're listening to the Holy spirit. Hey, help me out here. I don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. And your advice is, I don't want to say always, but it is up there. It is so, so good. Um, otherwise, <laughs> people would not be coming back to you. And that's why I say that, because mm. you're not someone who's like, oh, well, just let me tell you what I think. I have all the right answers. You're like, no, I don't have all the right answers, so I'm going to consult the Father. And you just don't see that a whole lot, at least modeled in very many leaders today. Most leaders are like, well, I've, I've got to be on. And you're like, no, Jesus is on for me, so I'm, I'm just going to be over here with him. It really takes the pressure off, honestly. Imagine, because to- <laughs> like his, his burden is light. His yoke is easy. Yeah. Okay, so we've kind of gone all over the place here, and it's been so good, but we're talking about expectations, particularly expectations in dating. What teenagers may expect, what college students may expect, what young adults may expect. So going back there, what are some of the other expectations that we see today? I think a big expectation I see across the board is different expectations when it comes to time. Now that we're dating, how much time are we spending together with our other friends, with each other, with whatever. So one expectation of time is whenever this couple starts dating, they just spend every waking moment together. And and they know they don't really get to hang out with their other friends anymore. Now they're dating. And so that's what they're doing. And that can be healthy or unhealthy, depending on who you are. If you're always spending time with that person because there's something wounded in you that you're now filling with that other person, then I would I would say that's probably an unhealthy way of spending your time and focusing and expecting your time to be filled with that other person. But I could see in some ways how, no, this is actually just a really beautiful thing. It's my favorite person and it's the healthiest relationship I have. Mm. Then I could see how that could not necessarily be an unhealthy thing. Okay, let's kick it the other direction. What about we're dating, but every weekend I'm still going out with my buddies and we're going to go hunting and we're going to go do this or, or we're still going to have girls night and I don't want to be with you on that night. It's, it's reserved for the ladies. What about the boundaries of, of uh, setting up a lot of time and we're hanging out with other people still? I think that's interesting. You said the word boundaries. I Ooh. think that those are things that we have conversations about. And if the couple is in agreement and they're, they both feel at ease with that and they're in agreement on that kind of expectation. I don't think it's necessarily unhealthy. If obviously if people are being unsafe on these weekends, I'd say that that may be a concern, but I don't think it's necessarily unhealthy to have all this time carved out for your friends, especially if you're in high school and this is the circumstance. Mm. But even if you're in college or if you're already married, I don't think it's wrong to have friendship outside of marriage or outside of your dating relationship, I just think it's beneficial to be considerate of each other and continue to check in on, do we still have, because expectations can shift. Do we still have the same expectation? Are we in agreement on this? Mm. And just because you both agree after communicating about it doesn't mean that the agreement is healthy or holy. (laughs) So run it through the lens of scripture, talk to Jesus about it. And if the three of you come to a mutual agreement, then, then yeah, stick with that. And if you notice yourself, if you're in a relationship like this and it used to be okay, but it feels less okay now, it's conversation time. Which goes back to what you just said, agreement about this, agreement about that. You cannot have an agreement unless you have 
a conversation <laughs> of, of mutual respect and in love, but hey, we got to communicate about this. And if we do not communicate, we, we plan to fail. Mm. I mean, most issues in any relationship come down to a lack of communication. Mm. And, and not always if whether or not we communicate, but how we communicate. I would say not necessarily a lack, but just poor communication, whether that means there's a lack or it's just not done well. We got some tone issues. Maybe we're tone deaf and I don't realize what my tone is suggesting. Maybe we just text about it and I thought that was good enough. Maybe I'm saying all the right words, but my body posture, my facial expressions, my nonverbals are communicating a whole different message. All that plays a factor into how we communicate. And that can even be an expectation. Oh, An expectation of how we communicate with each other. Because in our relationship, we expect each other to talk in a calm, kind, loving way, even if we're upset about something. Whereas some people's expectation in relationship is, I can do what I want. I can yell at you. I can do what I want. I can call you names. I can do what I want. I can, you know, raise my voice. And, and that can be an expectation that someone has or has been used to. And so they may not know how to operate in something that looks totally different. Mm. I can do what I want. I can raise my hand against you. I can do what I want and I can just ghost you. I can just give you the silent treatment because I'm upset or I don't agree with your expectations. So I'm just going to. And I think that points to an expectation that I've seen a lot in dating relationships and in marriages is an expectation that I get to be selfish. Mm. I get to be however I want to be because me, this, I, that, me, 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 I, 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 which is really interesting because the healthiest relationships, the holiest relationships Come on. are the selfless ones. And that may be the Sermon on the Mount moment. You've heard it said that you can be selfish with this in your relationship. You've heard it said that this is okay to be because this happened to you or you deserve this or they did you wrong. So now in all your relationships, you get to be this way. But God calls our relationships to look like the gospel. Jesus giving himself up for his bride, the church. The church humbling themselves to Jesus as they do to the Lord. And that's the picture of relationship. That's the expectation. Mm. Paul says in Romans, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has given each of you. I have my expectations. You have your expectations. And there is a significant level of humbling myself and hearing you out. And at least at the very bare minimum, be willing to meet you halfway and mm. to compromise and to just have an agree. open to, to agree. Mm. What do we do? When the other person we're in relationship with, boyfriend, girlfriend, coworker, spouse, whatever, does not value our expectations and doesn't want to communicate about mm. what our expectations are. My go-to response, <laughs> talk to God about it. <laughs> I think that's the first place we go because I, I could see in different relationships and in different circumstances, he might call people to do different things. So it would be maybe foolish of us to give a well and if you're in that type of scenario here's what you do because that's just our opinion if your scenario is a question of do i leave or stay in that scenario it may be a different answer depending on who you are depending on the hearts and souls involved and that's why we consult god that's why we talk to jesus that's why we utilize the advocate the teacher the holy spirit so that we can discern and know what is it that he wants me to do and then you're not resting on Drew and Kelsey's humanness and Drew and Kelsey, maybe we do have wisdom in certain 
ways and certain experiences, but there's plenty of things that we don't know how to speak to. And so I would say if you're, if you're sitting in a similar situation, whether let's list them all, like you broke up with the person you thought you were going to marry, you haven't dated anybody and you've already left college. You like, think of any of the expectations that could come up. If you find yourself being pretty hostile in your relationships and you feel like you're given that right and authority, like maybe run all of these things by God, good, bad, or otherwise, um, positive, negative, anything to see what is my next step? Is this something I need to turn? I need to repent on? Or am I in something that's very unhealthy, very unsafe? God, what do you want? If I am in something healthy and safe, but it's not a good fit, what do you want? And maybe we start asking more about what God wants Mm. rather than what just we expect. Hello. For the one who is frustrated with God or is not confident in their ability to discern what God's voice is or is just bitter and doesn't want to read the Bible anymore, uh, who are some human resources that we could possibly go to for additional help? We love therapy. We love therapy, man. It can be difficult to find the therapist the right fit for you, but there is something about therapy that can be so beneficial because it's someone who's completely on the outside of the circumstances. Like they're an outside party looking in at your specific situation. You can have the camaraderie and the rapport and the safeness of that relationship to fall back on that it's something you can trust. It's a place you can air out your fears and your worries and your anxieties and and navigate through all of that. And and therapy is something that has become more and more accepted. There's telehealth now. There's school counselors. There's It's more available. It's It's on college campuses. Yeah, and there's plenty of like faith-based resources for therapy. There's plenty of therapists that work at churches or on college campuses like you're saying. There's I think that that's a a wonderful place to turn to if you are not in a good place faith-wise, if you don't feel like God's listening to you or don't know how to hear his voice well, a great place to look into and to think about might be therapy. And I will say for the one who is overwhelmed with the question or with the fear or doesn't want to open up that box of those feelings and those expectations or whatever it is, I will say like some of the bravest words that you can utter are, I need help. Mm. Ooh, that makes me think of the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. Is that what that was yes. referencing? Wonderful, wonderful book. Yeah, get that book and read it. The boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. Beautifully illustrated, beautifully written book by Charlie Mackesy. It even won an Academy Award for Best Short Film a couple years ago or something. And it is just a wonderful... I don't know that he's a believer, but everything, every page of that book is something that can point back to the Lord. It's so beautiful and it's so helpful and would be a very helpful book to read if you're looking at expectations. If you're struggling with them, if if that's where your head's been lately, that would be a wonderful resource for someone to look into. And it's not a long book. No, it's it's short. But man, the short words and, and they're really, like you said, beautifully Uh, painted pictures pack a punch Mm -hmm. and you kind of got to stop and just digest each page because they're deep. It's one you could read all the way through or you could just read one page and it would be the thought. Mm. I love it. So we're huge proponents for therapy. We've seen a lot of different therapists in our nine years of marriage and 
I think it's a huge reason why we are as mentally and emotionally healthy as we are. Mm. So if you're struggling in any way, yeah, do that. Or talk to someone who you respect and that you know is a wise individual who loves the Lord and who loves you, who knows your heart and where you want to go and who you are now. Mm. And Someone who's uh, for you. Yeah. We see a, a common trend these days of teenagers trying to be counselors for their fellow teenagers and just bring all your problems to me. And, and the thing is, one, you're not Jesus, and two, you're not a you're not a therapist. And, and so we just see a lot of teenagers being overloaded because they just carry all of their friends' burdens. Again, going to expectations that Ooh. the people who are those soft-hearted people feel like that's who they have to be in a friendship or the friends of those people expect them to carry their stuff. We've got to be careful about that. And also know like some of your friends may be capable of carrying some of your stuff and some of the advice that you're seeking from a peer may give you really poor advice that will not help you with the expectation issues you're having right now. It may give you another expectation. It it could just get worse. (laughs) If you came to this episode really looking for concrete, practical expectations to start implementing into your life, especially if you're in a dating relationship, that, that's that's kind of what we keep going back to. First Corinthians 13 is a really great place to land. I can expect myself to operate patiently. I can expect from myself in a dating relationship to operate kindly. Like that's a really great place to look at for expectations. And it's a great place to look at for the other person. Yeah. Because like we said earlier, some expectations might be reasonable. Some may not be. A perfectly reasonable expectation is that the person you're in relationship with is not proud, Mm -hmm. is not rude. Mm -hmm. They're not self-seeking. Those are not high standards. Those are like baseline standards. That They are not going to be easily angered or keep record of wrongs. No, that's a healthy biblical expectation to have. Those are good expectations to stand on when you feel confused in your relationships, when you feel confused by the people you've dated in the past, the the person you're currently interested in very simple honest expectations to have listed first corinthians 13 4 through 7 is great and if you come from a place of trauma if you come from a lot of hurtful experiences and you've experienced a lot of abuse or negativity this might be a challenging scripture for you it can feel very confusing and maybe it's something you walk through a mentor or minister or therapist with because I know in areas of my life where I've experienced something traumatic or stressful or anxiety inducing, sometimes scripture gets twisted in my head and I need God to help me sort it out so I can see what's actually true. Like I'm responding to love always protects Mm. in a way that doesn't feel authentic and it's in a way that scares me and it's in a way that confuses me and God doesn't do that. Mm. So if it's not God why am I having this response? And that may be something that you walk through in therapy or with, with a trusted helper. Another example is, you know, love always trusts. And I may be in a situation where I feel like my love has been betrayed and my trust has been taken advantage of. And what I'm hearing here in first Corinthians 13 is that love always trusts. Mm -hmm. And now this person that I love and have this history with, I feel betrayed by them. So is it up in flames? If it's just one instance, maybe, maybe that is a huge trust issue and you should talk to a therapist or a mentor about that and work through that. Obviously talk about it with a person who betrayed your trust, but if it's a chronic thing where that trust is consistently not respected, then, then yeah, that's a clear expectation of this, this ain't for me. We're going to go a different direction. So if you're looking for something practical, that's a great place to start, but acknowledge, let's acknowledge that if 
you do have a lot of pain in your other relationships, this may be a difficult scripture for you to walk through, mm-hmm. just practically speaking. Man, we set sail to talk about expectations and where we went, I didn't expect for <laughs> us to go, yet where we yeah. have been, I've I've been pleased with and happy with, and yeah. it's been good. We've covered a lot of ground. I'm sure there's plenty left that we did not cover, but hopefully this encourages you to Acknowledge the expectations you're seeing in your relationships or other people are putting on you. Start sifting through them to see what's healthy and unhealthy. Of course, take them to God or at the very least a therapist or trusted mentor to weigh in on what's okay, what's not okay, and maybe start implementing some of those expectations of love into your dating relationship that Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians 13. Mm. If you are still listening to the podcast at this point, we want to say thank you for staying in. And if you have any expectations about where you would like to see this podcast go, we highly invite you to leave comments um, in the show notes of this podcast, or you can message us on through Jordan, Facebook, or Instagram. We would love to hear what you think about where we've been and where we're going. Your feedback is very valuable to us. After listening to this, we hope you feel encouraged and equipped to navigate expectations. And if you have any questions about them, like Kelsey said, we encourage you to talk to Jesus about it. (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening. We're having a lot of fun doing this and we hope you're enjoying listening in. We'll see you all next time. Bye.